Island Church in Galveston, Texas welcomes you to our podcast. We trust that you will be encouraged by today's message. Wow, praise God. What an honor and a privilege to be able to minister to the home folks. And praise God. I'm just going to be myself. Is that okay? I I don't know how to be anybody else. I've tried that. It doesn't work too well. No. Praise God. Praise God. Thank God. Thank you, Pastor Christopher. I'll tell you, last night it was a tomahawk ribeye steak last night. <laughs> Praise God. It was really good. It was, it was rich. That was the meat of the Word of God. Amen. And you know, we need to endure sound doctrine. Amen. Uh, we used to sit in services for hours and hours and hear the teaching of the Word of God. Amen. And, and listen, let's stay hungry for the Word, man. I, I can't get enough of it. I kept on saying, I wonder if that's his last scripture. And then he'd have another one. And he'd have another one. Amen. And it was excellent. Amen. It was about Jesus. Amen. Praise God. So uh, that's what I want to minister to you today about. And uh, praise God. If you would open your Bibles to the book of Mark and chapter 10. Praise God. And verse 46. And I actually brought some notes. Can you believe that? Praise God. Amen. Wow. I don't know if I'm going to use them. You know how that goes. But you know, I've, I've preached in the jail for probably almost 35 years or something like that. And just here recently, just in our ministry, we've really seen the power of God just really begin to grow and expand. We've seen uh, miracles in the jail like I've never seen. Uh, people's lives change, just the gifts of the Spirit in operation, and uh, just, just amazing. It's amazing to me to see. I, I tell you, God is moving. And God is working. He's where the world, the, the pressure of the world and, and the world system and all that stuff is ratcheting up. Listen, God's not going to be outdone by that. Amen. But we've got to get in there and get in the harvest. Amen. The harvest is ripe and the laborers are few. Amen. Our problem is, is we're not seeing the harvest a lot of times. You know what? I'm already off, off my notes. <laughs> But, but here, here's what happened when, when the day of Pentecost came and the Holy Spirit was poured out and Peter, who was a failure, amen, was, was full of the Holy Ghost, made a new creation in Christ. He saw that crowd as the potential for somebody for him to preach to, to bring the God. Nobody, none of the other disciples saw it. John didn't see it. James didn't see it. But he saw that and said, man, look at this. This is a congregation of people that it's time to preach to. Yeah. And many times, God, listen, he will put, give us those opportunities in life, and we, if, if we'll see them, we can be a part of the harvest like never before. Amen. We have to be harvest-minded. Amen. 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 You're right. Praise God. So that's, that's just the hors d'oeuvre, I guess, we're going to start at. But right here, I like, to, I like to kind of preach, you know, like a meal, you know. Amen. Start off with a with an appetizer and maybe a salad, and then get to the main course. And hopefully, I have some good like some good dessert. Praise God! But hallelujah! But it, like I say, it's wonderful to be with you. We we were just in Turkey back in September in Nicaragua. In September, also the churches are doing well. Uh, they you know they had a, a little hurricane come through there and and kind of wash some things away. But we're getting all that fixed up. Uh, we were in a conference in Turkey that that uh, some Rama. Folks also uh, worked together with us in, and, and it just really went well. It was a Holy Ghost conference. 
uh, one of the coolest things about it was there was about 100 Iranians that came and they were on, so on fire for God. When we were driving up to the conference, I was, I was with the pastor headed up there and they called and they said, listen, you need to tell these Iranians to settle down. They're going to get thrown out of the hotel. They're praising and worshiping God and singing in the lobby. Amen. Before, before the services would start, they'd all be in the back praying and, and squalling and hollering and doing all kinds of stuff. And then they, then they had decided they wanted to have a baptismal service in the kiddie pool. This is a Muslim country. It's 99% Muslim. And they're all out there, praise God, dipping people in the water and bringing them up. We all felt like a bunch of Methodists. But amen, I love that zeal. I like to get around people that's got some zeal, amen, and a little wisdom. You need to have a little wisdom to go along with your zeal. But praise God, we had a wonderful time, man. My life was changed forever on that trip. And, and man, it's just awesome to see what God is doing in the world, but also what he's doing here. Amen. We have to have eyes to see what God is doing here and what he's doing on the inside of us. Amen. So it says this in, in verse 46, Mark chapter 11, it says, And they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples a great no and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timotheus, uh, sat by the highway side begging. Now notice this, it says that when they came to Jericho, Jesus went into Jericho. Jericho is a big city. It had about 100,000 people in it, according to what history said. I, I've been to Jericho. It's hot. It's on its way down toward the Dead Sea from Jerusalem. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just, it, it's quite a place, quite an interesting place. And, and so it says that Jesus went into Jericho and, you know, he went all through Jericho and it turned around and came out. And the Bible says there's a multitude of people following him. You know, there's a lot of people that follow Jesus. Amen. But it doesn't say, doesn't say that Jesus did one miracle while he was in, Jer in, in a Jericho. He's the miracle worker. He's the Messiah. He's the son of God. But here's this guy named, named Tim, Timotheus, uh, and he's sitting on the highway side begging, and it's at verse 47, it says, and when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, now, this is an interesting point. He, they were saying, this is Jesus of Nazareth. Amen? And I'm sure he had heard about the Messiah. The, uh, if you study this, Bartimaeus probably could see at one point, and at one point in his life, he probably was taught the Torah. You know, the, the kids back in that day, years ago, they, they would actually put honey on the, word, on the pages of the Word of God, and the kids would eat them. Because the Word of God is sweet. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen? And these, these young people coming up, they could quote the first five books of the Old Testament. Amen. We try to get our Bible school students to teach, you know, quote one scripture, and you know, they about have a nervous breakdown. But, <laughs> but they're going to make it. Amen. Praise God. But, but they were taught in the Word of God. They heard there's a Messiah coming. And faith comes how? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. I don't know exactly where he heard the Word of God, but somewhere he did hear the word of God, and faith came to him. And the Bible says the multitude said it was, it was Jesus of Nazareth, but he began to cry out and say something different. He said, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Say that with me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Listen, this guy saw Jesus in a different light than what the crowd saw. 
He was, the, he was as blind as a bat. He couldn't see, but he could see and perceive spiritually, hey, somebody's coming that I heard about. Yeah. This guy by the name of Jesus, uh, they say it, it back in the, I think it's in the book of Isaiah, it talks about how that he's going to open the, the blind eyes. Yeah. It's in the Bible. Amen. The Bible's right. Amen. And, and he, he said, look, there's this guy, he's coming, and, and everybody's saying, hey, this is Jesus of Nazareth. But notice he had a revelation of who he was. He said, Jesus, thou art the son of God, the son of David, have mercy on me. Listen, he, uh, in, in the uh, Passion Bible, it says this, where it says, have mercy on me. It says, have mercy on me now and heal me. Really, really, the, uh, the Greek of that, it says, you can say it like this, mercy me. Mercy me now. You're the dispenser of mercy, now do it. He had some bold faith. Amen. He said, Jesus, you're the son of David. I recognize you as the Messiah. I recognize you as the one that opens blind eyes. Now open my blind eyes. Man, that's faith. That's strong. Sometimes that makes us a little nervous. And what happened, man? The ushers, I mean, not the ushers, but the, notice this. <laughs> it says, and many charged him that, they, that he should hold his peace. There's always opposition when you step out in faith. There's always opposition when you talk faith. There's always somebody that might be your best friend sitting next to you and say, well, you know, they, you got it last time, but I don't know about this time. You know, you've been talking about building that building all this time. Amen. Yeah. Come on. Amen. There, there are things of, that, that you have to go through processes to receive. Amen. Amen. And then there, there's instantaneous miracles like this. Praise God. Hallelujah. He said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace, but he cried all the great deal. Listen, what do you do when your faith, when your confession is challenged? Here at Bartimaeus, he doubled up on it. He didn't go to Brother Hagin's faith seminar. Amen? He, he, they just had the Old Testament at this time, but he heard that there was a Messiah coming, he, and then he, he found out somehow that his name was Jesus, and when he heard it was Jesus of Nazareth coming down the hill, he said, man, that's not just Jesus of Nazareth. He opens blind eyes. I heard a, a, a woman with an issue of blood was healed. I heard he raised the dead. I heard he fed the 5,000, and Jesus is on his way to the cross. Yeah. And on his way to the cross, he raises up his voice and says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And everybody says, hey, be quiet. This is a dignitary. He's a, very, he's a VIP. He's a very important person. Don't be messing with this guy. Amen. I've seen too much of that in the church. Amen. We got, you know, a lot of Hollywood stars. Amen. Praise God, rhinestone cowboys, but you know, yeah. praise God. You know, we got to be willing to get our hands dirty. Yeah, amen. We got to be willing to get, get down where the people are. Yeah, yeah. Amen. You know, uh, it, it's good to, to believe God for people to come to the church, but there also ought to be an outreach to the people. Yeah, amen. amen. And, and individually and corporately. There's nothing more exciting than going out and winning souls for the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's the reproduction of, of the supernatural power of salvation. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, so, somebody can get healed. Somebody can have, 
have cancer, somebody can have, you know, uh, be crippled or blind or something like that, deaf, and praise God, they'll be miraculously healed. But if they don't get saved, if they don't give, they'll be healed and they'll get sick and they'll die or something will happen to them, they'll die. And you know what? They'll go to hell for eternity. But when you lead somebody to the Lord, listen, it has an eternal. We, we are in the, the business of eternal effect in people's lives. I think a lot of times we just overlook that. We see all these people in these crusades and stuff that are, that are being born again. Thank God for the people that are healed. Thank God for that. But, but I see blind eyes opened by the gospel to see who Jesus is. That's what the preaching of the gospel does. And of course, I'm getting ahead of myself. But <laughs> So it says this. It says, and, and when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace, but he cried all the more great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. He didn't get off of his confession. He didn't get off of his revelation of who he saw Jesus, who he was. Amen. And Jesus stood still. That's an, that's incre- an incredible point. Jesus, he's walked, listen, he's, he went through, Jer- through Jericho and he turned around and he came out of Jericho and he's got a whole bunch of people following him and he didn't do one miracle, he didn't preach or nothing like that and one filthy, dirty beggar bowed down. Amen, can't see. He hears that Jesus is coming. He cries out and Jesus is, he's on his way to Jerusalem to go to the cross and th- this voice rises up and it stops God in his tracks. Jesus, the Son of God. Hmm. And Jesus stood still. And I like this. He commanded him to be called. Hear this blind beggar. He's, he's crying. He's hollering. He's caterwauling, however you want to say it. He's saying, man, I'm not going to let go of you, Jesus. I know who you are. I've got a revelation of who you are. You're the one that opens blind eyes. Jesus, have mercy on me. Mercy me right now. I'm ready right now. And in heaven, all of heaven's plans and everything stop right there for a blind beggar. Yeah. Awesome. And Jesus, listen, Jesus sided with the beggar. He didn't side with the with the church leaders. He didn't side with the ushers. Well, yeah, y'all did. Yeah, don't you know? I'm I'm on my way to an important assignment from my father. No, he took the time to stop to a filthy, dirty, blind beggar, and he stopped, and he dignified this guy. He 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 spent some time with this guy. Amen. He's willing to get his hands dirty. And Jesus stood still, and he commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good, good comfort and rise. He called, oh, now they're all on the same team, huh? <laughs> Amen. Praise God. I, you know, that's, I'm not going to get into sports. But they, there's some people, they're always for the winning team. It doesn't matter which one it is. Can't make a decision, can you? But, but here, notice, notice all of a sudden that Jesus commands him to come. Now they say, hey, come on. And notice this, verse 50, it says, And him casting away his garment, rose he rose up he was he the bible says he sat by the wayside listen the world the world had sat him down 
The world said, you're a beggar. The world said, we're, we, we've got a program for you. We've, we've got a beggar's coat for you. And hopefully you've got a friend somewhere that will come and take you every day and come and sit you in a nice place in, the, in town. And hopefully he'll come back and get you in the afternoon. Because you're blind. You don't know where you are. You don't know what's going on. And he sat there. But when Jesus called him, he rose up. Listen, it's time for the church to rise up. It's time for us to rise up out of our pettiness. It's time to rise up out of the dirt and the filth of this world. And it's time to throw away our garments of every excuse that we have why we don't have this and why we don't have that. And let's go to Jesus, who is the answer. Jesus, and he came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said, obviously, he, what he's doing is speaking to Jesus. And Jesus, the Bible says, he's answering this, this, this action of this blind man. It says, and Jesus answered and said unto him, what wilt thou that I should do unto thee? That's what Jesus is asking us today. Jesus is saying, what would you, that I would do, what would you have me do for you? Put it, get it out of the King James. What would you have me to do for you? Can't you see this guy's blind? Can't you see this guy? Is, is he, he, he's, a, he's a hot mess sitting over here. Now he's up coming to you. Jesus wants us to be specific with our faith. Amen. And, he, he, and Jesus says, what is it that you want? You've stopped me. I'm on my way to the cross. But I've stopped here to have a little meeting with a little blind guy that's, that's beaten down. And I've lifted him up. Now, now that you're here, now that you got my attention, what is it that you want? Amen. His healing was in his mouth. He could have said, I want a million dollars. He could have said, I want a new coat. This one's old. Jesus said, Jesus said hey, man, you, you got an open it. What is it you want? Praise God. What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? This is a King James Bible, man. <laughs> Praise God. And the blind man said unto him, Lord. Boy, that's a good place to start. He called Jesus Lord. Amen. He had a revelation of who he was. Yeah, amen. amen. He said, Lord, Lord, hallelujah, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, go thy way. Thy faith has made thee whole. And it says, uh, and it says, and immediately he received his sight. And I like this, follow Jesus in the way. So here this blind man, had he, he had the answer in his mouth. He said, he said what, Jesus said, what do you want? He said, that I might receive my sight. And many times, listen, I, I like this definition of righteousness. It's face-to-face with Jesus. You're in right stand, and Jesus is saying to you today, what is it that you want? He is the miracle worker. He, and, and so many times we think, well, I don't qualify quite for this healing, or I don't qualify quite for this blessing in my life. Man, Jesus has qualified you. I, I like when, when, the, when what Pastor Rusty was talking about, when Brother Hagin would, would lay at Jesus' feet, 
Jesus picked him up and Brother Hagin said, I'm so unworthy. I'm the last person in the world that, that could ever uh, for you to appear to. Yeah, yeah. And Jesus said, stand up on your feet. My blood has made you worthy. Yeah. I tell you, we're worthy by the blood of the Lamb. He paid a price for us to be whole. He paid not just to be healed, but to be whole. That, that word there where it says be made whole, it's the word sozo. And it's the word delivered. There's your deliverance ministry. <laughs> Saved, restored, preserved, and made whole. Praise God. He got the whole package. He didn't ask for all that, but Jesus said, you know what? This is what I'm all about. I'm about restoring people. And the Bible says when he did that, the Bible says this blind man, he didn't just turn around and go back home and, and end up doing whatever it was he was doing. He began to follow Jesus in the way. Listen, we're all looking for God to do great things in our lives, but listen, we, our, our greatest goal must be to continue to follow Jesus in the way. Pastor Christopher talked about pick up your cross and follow the Lord. Amen? Let, let's look over here in the book of uh, Acts chapter 26. Let me grab a drink. I'm running out of spit. And cooth. But I, I want you to notice this. This is Paul when he's standing before Agrippa. And I'm just going to start off in verse 14, uh, Acts 26, verse 14. And I just want to read through this. It says, And when, when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And, and I like the point is this. He didn't say, why are you persecuting the Christians? He said, why, why, are you per why were you persecuting Stephen? He said, man, what you're doing to these people, you're doing to me. So you better be careful how you talk about your brother and sister. Amen. I'll tell you what. And, it's, and, he, and, uh, and I said, who art thou, Lord? Here he is again. Paul had a revelation right there on the road to Damascus. You know, the, the light was so bright that it actually welded his eyes shut. That was a powerful, you know, there's a light can be powerful. I, I worked in a shipyard for many years and you could, somebody's over there welding. Listen, you had to guard your eyes. That, that light, you'd, I'd come home sometimes, my eyes would be blood red, sometimes for other reasons, but it, was, it would be blood red. But it, it because I, I realized that, that whole day there was a welder over there by me welding and, and it burned my eyes. But light is powerful. I, I promise you, brother. This is church. I ain't gonna lie. There were some other issues there, but we got delivered from that. Praise God. But Jesus said, I'm the one whom thou persecutest. But he, he said, I love this. He said, Jesus is in the rising up, lifting yeah. up business. We need to lift people yeah, up. Yeah. We need to be encouragers. Yeah. Amen. There, there's, there's enough wet blankets around to try to cool off. I, I love seeing people that are on fire. Yeah, amen. amen. Let them burn. Yeah, burn. Praise God. But rise and stand up on thy feet, for I have appeared unto, unto thee for this purpose to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen and those things which uh, will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto, unto uh, whom I now send thee. Now listen to this, to open their eyes. Paul was sent to open their eyes. Amen. Amen. Open their eyes to what? 
and, and to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. His commission was to open the eyes of the people that he preached to. That's why that, that prayer in Ephesians is so powerful that, that we would, that Paul prayed that we would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of our understanding being enlightened. Listen, I, I pray that prayer every day over myself. As many times as the Holy Ghost brings it into my spirit, I pray, I pray that God shows me things that I'm not seeing. You know, you know, Abraham and Isaac, they went up one side of the mountain and they didn't see the provision of God until they got to that set place. Amen. And when he was obedient enough to draw back that knife and sacrifice the very thing that his faith produced, and the angel of the Lord said, Stop! And then he opened his eyes and he saw that place. He saw the ram with his, his horns caught in the thicket. And, and I, I'll say this to you guys by the Holy Ghost. There are things that, that your obedience will produce a vision for you to see the provision of God that maybe you have not seen up to this point. Sometimes you got to go somewhere. Moses had to go to the burning bush. Amen. But but he saw it afar off, and he could have said, man, there's a burning bush over here. I'm getting out of here before the desert burns down. No, he, he went over there, and what happened? That's where God spoke to him. That's where he got his destiny for the next 40 years of his life. Amen. So, listen, these kind of meetings like this. Listen, you, you come here, and you think, man, what am I doing at this meeting? Listen, God has a destiny and a purpose in these meetings for us, and he might have just got you here so you can see a provision in a different area. He might, there might be a, a, a new relationship that you make with somebody yeah, that will help you and bless you and strengthen you in, in your Christianity. Might be a new church God's calling you to. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's look over in, uh, in Psalms 93. This, this is kind of interesting in the Passion Bible. And we're talking about vision. We're talking about miracles. I like the Passion Bible. Yeah. Hey Amen. I know some people have issues with it, but this is an interesting scripture, but I just want to bring out this point. This is Psalms 93. I want to say it's verse 6. It's verse 5. Okay. This is in the Passion. It says this. It says, what mighty miracles and your power at work. Just to name a few. Listen, depths of purpose and layers of meaning saturate everything you do. Such amazing mysteries are found in every miracle. That nearly everyone seems to miss. Those with no discernment can never really discover the deep and glorious secrets hidden in your ways. Listen, the miracles that take place, when God does a miracle, think of the miracle that God did with Brother Hagin and how that God opened his eyes to Mark 11, 23, 24, and that, that message went around the world. Well, the source of that miracle was him being healed, him being raised up off the deathbed. And so many times when God does things in our life, when he does miracles, there's a message in those miracles. 
I didn't get much amen on that. And the Bible says those with, that, that don't have any discernment, they miss it. Listen, when God does something in our lives, we have, we have, we have to say, okay, God, what, what, what is the message in this? If, if anything, just go tell other people about it. Yeah. When I was preaching in the jail the other day, and I was preaching this message, and, and, and there was a guy sitting in there. He came in there with a boot. He had broken his, his, his ankle. He had a hot water heater drop on his, on his ankle. He's carrying a hot water heater down the stairs, and it crushed his ankle. And he's sitting in there with a boot, and I, and I got to the point where, where Jesus said, what is it that you want? Tell, tell me what you want. And, and this guy, man, he's, I don't think he's ever been in church in his life. He looks like he's about 22 years old, maybe six foot tall, big strapping looking young guy. He's a plumber and, and he's wearing this boot. He's got a white, white socks sticking out the toe of it. And he starts moving his toes. And I'm, I got about 15 minutes less, left in the service. And so I'm trying to wrap it up. And he says, you know, in jailhouse talk, man, I ain't lying y'all. I ain't lying. He said, I can move my toes. I said, what? He said, I can move. I just went over there and laid hands on his, on his leg. And he said, man, something warm went into his leg. Yeah, amen. And, and, and I laid hand on a couple of other people that God blessed and healed. And, and uh, so he started taking off his boot. And I'm like, okay, man, I'm not telling you to do this. I mean, we're in, I, I don't want to be bunking with you, you know. So he starts taking, he starts taking off his boot. And, and he puts all of his weight down on it. And he's standing there with that boot, and he's just crying like a, I mean, this is a young, tough young man, tattooed up, you know, just crying like a baby. And, and, and I said, well, Jesus healed you, praise God. And he says, man, I ain't lying, y'all. Something happened, man. I, there's no pain in my leg. God healed his leg. And, and, and they opened that they hit the door for him to go out, and he's walking out into, into the into the rest of the group out there, 50, 60 men with a boot that he had on before and now he's got it in his hand walking out there. Listen, those miracles speak. Those, listen, those, those are the, thank God for the miracles, but the purpose of the miracles is to bring people to Jesus. That Jesus is still the healer. Jesus can still knit the bones together in a man's leg. Jesus can still open the blind eyes. Glory to God. I like that. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, it says that the gospel is hid. It's hid to those that are lost or it's, lo it's hid to those that are blind because the God of this world has blinded the eyes. Listen, the world don't know how to do nothing but act like the world. Don't freak out by what the world's doing. Amen. It's a shame when that world gets into the church. The church is called to go to the world and preach the gospel. But we don't have to use the elements of the world to do that. Keep it simple. Amen. Keep it simple, especially when you're talking to people that, that, that have never heard the gospel. I have learned over the years in preaching in the jail, I try to break it down as simply as I can. And, and you know, I, I, love, I love to get deep into the Word of God. I love to study the Word of God. But I, I pray, I say, God, give me something that people can understand. Give me something that's going to help them. Praise God. Hallelujah. One more verse and I'll be done here. Let's look, let's look over here. In, uh, I just like this verse. I'm going to share it with you. Praise God. This is in the book of Psalms, in verse 20, chapter 24. 
I know it's in here somewhere. And you've heard this scripture a hundred times uh, in the King James, but in the, in the Passion, I want to read it to you in the Passion, and it's uh, verse 7. And I like the way it starts off. It says, wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Know the day that you're living in. We're living in the last of the last days. Yeah, yeah. Amen. It says, wake up, you living gates. Lift up your heads. Quit putting your head down. Quit being ashamed of being a Christian at your job. Don't, don't, you know, listen, don't live a dual lifestyle. I've done that before. It's horrible. It's the worst life you could ever live. Amen. Amen. I, I was, uh, they voted me in to be the youth pastor <laughs> at, at, the, at the church down here. I have, you know, it's, that's why I'm not in the Assemblies of God anymore. <laughs> I had a few little problems when I was uh, the youth pastor. You know, you, when church was out, you'd go to the beach. And then we had youth, you know, at 6 o'clock, and I'd be in there, hey, praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm doing a little better now, praise God. I'm not going to, uh, but I think they did write me off. <laughs> but it says this it says wake up you living gateways lift up your heads you doorways of eternity you know I know Jesus is the door amen but, but I like what it says here it says welcome the king of glory for he's about to come where through who the glory of God listen God is looking for people that he can flow through Many times we're looking for the glory to come through the back door, to come through the air conditioning system. You know, thank God. And I understand those things happen. Amen. But listen, God wants his glory to come through us. Why? To bring about change to people, to open their eyes, to see Jesus for who he really is. Jesus is not who CNN says he is. He's not who Fox News says he is. He's not who a lot of these denominational people says he is. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the Jesus that died on the cross. He's the Jesus that rose from the dead. He's the same Jesus that's in the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He's the same yesterday, today, forever. And what he did yesterday, he'll do today. We got to believe that. And you wonder why a lot of times Christians are so, they, they get in a funk. It's because we're not out living that. There's nothing more exciting. That, that's what keeps me alive, man, going to the jail, seeing all those guys tatted up and everything, have all these problems. And you go in there and you just preach the simple gospel to them. You walk out of there, man, and it's, it's, you walk, like, it's like you're walking out of heaven. Yeah, amen. The anointing of God, the power of God, the gifts of the Spirit. You don't have to be in here just to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. This is, a, this is your training ground here. It, listen, if you feel like God is using you that way, Get pastor's attention. He'll help you. That's what, listen, that's where you learn these things. A lot of times as church folks, listen, we need to be trained on how to flow in the things of the Spirit. We have a tremendous past set of pastors that know a lot about the things of the Spirit, how to flow in the Spirit. And, and it's just not for them. It's for us to learn from. 
We learn from the good ones. We learn from the Hagans. We've been around some a few people over the years. And listen, we have learned what to do and what not to do. This, this, this thing about uh, like deliverance. Uh, we ha- I had a really good meeting in, in uh, the jail a couple of weeks ago, and God really used me in a mighty way, just, just giving people words of knowledge. I was giving these guys words of knowledge, and they were laughing. And, and I, I kept going down the line, they kept laughing. And I said, what's so funny? He said, I know you don't know that. And, and what, what I, was tell- I told this one guy, I said, you just need to shut up. And they all just started laughing because he, he's the big Christian in there, but he ain't living right, and he's running his yap. So the Lord just said, yeah, you know, just be quiet. I said, I said, live your life. Live the gospel before these guys. Yeah. And, and when I got done, this, this one dude, he's all tatted up, rough-looking dude. And, and he said, you know, he lifted his hand. He said, I want to say something. I said, what's that? He said, I know this is real. I said, how's that? He said, you didn't know anything about any of these guys, and I know everything. And, I, and he gave his life to the Lord. Amen. But but that's what that that's what puts that's what stokes my fire. Amen. Going to your world and preach the gospel. And listen, Jesus will work with you if you'll go out and just do those simple things that He's called you to do. The Bible the Bible says this: He worked together with them. It means you know what? There's that four letter word. They worked. Work it. Get out there. Get, get your hands dirty. Get, get your feet on the ground. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Bring light to the darkness. Open their eyes. Amen. And we'll, if we don't see him again, we'll see him in heaven. Amen. God bless you. Praise God. Praise God. Yeah, I wanted to go a little bit deeper into the theme of our, our conference, the Glorious Church. If you will, go to Matthew chapter 16. So we've kind of concluded that there is such a thing as a glorious church. We saw it in Scripture yesterday. So if it's described as that which Jesus is coming back for, I don't want to stay here. Amen? Not if Jesus is coming back for me. I don't want to stay here. I want to go with him. Don't you? So it behooves us to find out what in the world is a glorious church. And if we're not on the path to being one and finding one, then Lord, show us where it's at and we'll go there. Don't you agree? Well, we'll go there. If that's where it's at, we'll go there. Amen? My button. Oh, I don't want to. I don't want anybody to see my nakedness. Amen? Especially not in church. Glory to God. (laughs) Pastor John Osteen used to have this reoccurring nightmare. After he built that big building, he, he had this nightmare. He was standing in the pulpit naked. He said it used to terrify him. He said he knew it was the devil. He'd always bind the devil. He said two nights later, he had the same dream. He'd stand in the pulpit naked in front of thousands of people. <laughs> that devil is a liar, isn't he? Praise God. So the glorious church, amen. Doesn't say the mega church. Doesn't say the little church. Amen. It says only churches with buildings. No, no storefront churches, no. No, it's the glorious church. So if it's the glorious church, then what, what defines the glorious church? Well, we, we, we said actually what defines the glorious church is the book of Acts. Aren't you glad they named it the book of Acts? Because it's the activity of God after Jesus was risen from the dead through the church. On the day of Pentecost, 
When the 120 received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the church got filled with the Holy Ghost. You know, the, the, I like the scripture. It says, at first, it filled, it, it filled the house. So, so when the Holy Ghost came in its initial outpouring, before it filled the people, it filled the house. And see, the devil's been trying to get the Holy Ghost out of the house ever since. Because you know, if the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit is in the house in, in manifestation and activity, there's nothing he can do. His, his defeat is demonstrated constantly among those that understand authority and, and among those that are in the church uh, uh, and understand uh, their authority in the church. He knows there's nothing he can do. People get sick. No, nah, we just, nah, we're not going to do that. Devil tries to attack finances. No, nah, we just give more. Doesn't make any difference to us. Amen. And so uh, he attacks, especially now, if you were a being, a being, an eternal being, created being, you realize you're not a created being. Do you realize that? You're a procreated being, not created being. You come from a created being, but you're procreated. Amen? So a created being would be one that did not come onto the scene through procreation. They were just created. So that's the angel. You're speaking of the angelic realm. There's no little fat angel babies carrying toilet paper around. <laughs> Amen? Yeah, that's not, that don't happen. So uh, 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 you've got these created beings, so they're, they're, they're eternal, living in the, in, in the realm of timelessness, but they're on a time clock, ticking down. That's why those demons would cry out when Jesus was on the earth, have you come to torment us before the time? Because they know their time is coming. Now, if you're that being, you know, the, the devil, Satan, Lucifer, and you don't you don't really have revelation knowledge of the word, but you can you you can see several things. One that the the door for your your activity is open wider through the cooperation of the iniquity of man, and the devil's manipulation of that iniquity for six thousand years. Yeah, it's still a, a process that has taken place. I've, I've, I said this uh, earlier in the week that that man has been in a process of reverse evolution, going from the presence of God to the animal he is today. The reason those people lived so long back in the day, uh, 900, 800, 700 years, was not because God was trying to stretch their lives out. He ended up he ended up wiping out that generation because they were reproducing after the iniquity that got into humanity through Satan. Amen. But the reason they lived so long is because they were so close to the creation side of God. They didn't know how to die. It took some of them eight, nine hundred years just to know how to die. And the glory of God was resident in them, in that, not in salvation form, but literally in their physical bodies. And it prolonged their lives like that. The glory of God will prolong your life. But they eventually died. They all died. Amen? So, so we understand that that, that entity that has been basically feeding the iniquitous desires of the human race for 6,000 years. And when I say the iniquitous desires, you know, we can think about all the things that would be uh, vice or, some, you know, uh, uh, sexual or drugs. But it, it, he, feeds, he feeds war and famine and death. and See, he cometh not but for what? Steal and to kill and destroy. See, that's his, that's, his, that's his MO, his mode of operation. So he's seen two things. He's seen his opportunities increase as mankind cooperates with him more and more in this, in this demonic uh, one world government that's coming upon the earth. But then he also sees there's a group of people on the earth that are rising in power and in anointing. And what he's, what he's hearing is what we are saying. Amen? Now, because of that, he's putting extreme pressure on anything that resembles a move of God that could manifest the glory. Yeah. 
and come into the place of a glorious church. Because if a glorious church ever really comes on, on scene upon the planet, he knows his days are really numbered in about a seven-year span. And he'll spend a thousand years in torment before he'll be eternally judged. Now, with that in mind, don't you know, he's, listen, the devil's not out in the world trying to really work on that system. He knows he's got them involved in sin and sin will run its course. Amen. So his main activity and his main focus is on what's the threat. What's the threat? Where's the threat? Well, it begins with the individual who begins to find out who they are in Christ. They understand their authority. Then it, then it comes to the corporate level with churches that find out who they are in Christ, their authority, and they just begin to say no to the devil. No, devil. No, no. Uh-uh. No. We're not going to do it. We're not going to have the disease. We're not, we're not going to go into the, into the financial problem. We're not going to be depressed. I mean, there's so many things that we resist the devil, and he sees that resistance, and it's a market to him because he runs up that resistance and says, that's, that's them. That's them right there. They're my threat. They're my enemy, and these are the ones that's going to bring my demise. I know my demise is already sealed because of what Jesus has done. But if he would have just stayed in heaven and left everything alone, but he took everything that he did and he put it back up on the earth through his church. Now his church possesses that. And if I'm not careful, that church is going to do what the Bible says it's going to do, end up glorious. He's going to come back and get him. And I'm really, I'm really in trouble then. So what's he going to do? He's going to go to the church and he's going to mess with people's minds. He's going to do everything he can do to try to get you to get out of a church like this. He don't want you here. He will fight your mind. He'll fight your fight. And it's like you can, you can, you can, uh, I guess Randy would be, Pastor Randy and Linda would be the ministry that I would say that I would have been connected to the longest as friends, as in a, in a relationship, a level. Amen. Now I can say this honestly. I can say it about my church, uh, Pastor Randy's church. I can say it about Ted and Jan's church. I've been in Ted, uh, ministering in Ted and Jan's church before. I can say about any church, about anybody I know, I can say this. If everybody called, to be in that church, and I mean called, where God said you are called to plant yourself in that church, you are called to be in that church, to submit in that church, to learn in that church, to grow in that church. If everybody in, in Pastor Randy Linden's church that was called to be there would be there, they'd have a church of five or 6,000 right there in, in Grosbeck. That's how many people have come and gone. Ted's the same way. Am I right, guys? China Springs, same thing, isn't it, buddy? They come, they go. They come, and they go, then a few stay. And they fight, they fight every urge. They fight every offense, every bad thing that happens to them for the reason of knowing I'm connected to something that's divine. And that helps you to look beyond the personalities and beyond anything that causes friction in you within the church so that you might walk in love with everybody else and be a part of the, of, the, of the agreement of faith that is in the church to demonstrate the defeat of the devil. Let me tell you something, church. Churches that don't know this are powerless. That's why they have to lean on the social arm. They have to lean on the social arm because even leaning on the, the, the traditional arm is failing them because so many traditional churches are failing. I mean, the, 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 the denominational churches are shutting down in mass. I mean, it's crazy what's going on in the denominations. Some of the social churches have maintained some things, but there's a stirring in, in, in churches, some of them that have walked away from their Holy Ghost heritage. 
But now God's stirring them again, stirring them. And I believe any church that can be stirred will be stirred if they'll yield to it. Amen? So are you in Matthew? Let's, let's go back and look at the church. I, I, there's just something about the church. I like what Alan said. You know, when, when the apostle Paul, Saul of Tarsus, was struck down on the road going to Damascus, Jesus didn't say, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou the church? He said, why do you persecutest thou me? So that, that revelation, that hit me very young in ministry when I was still in Bible school, and I realized Jesus sees no difference in the church and himself. So how you treat your local church is how you treat Jesus. People don't like to hear that because they abuse the church so much. Amen? You know, there are two things you must understand. Uh, uh, we called her Mama Ward. Frances Ward was her name, one of the most proficient Bible teachers I've ever heard in my life. She, she, she'd do it like this. She'd hold her Bible, she'd put her, put her thumb in it, and she'd hold it and shake it and say, you can have no more relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ than you have with this book right here. Because if you do not have a relationship with this book right here, you do not have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And then, if you're not a part of a church, you're not a part of the body of... Let's try that again. If you're not part of the church, you're not a part of the body of... Now, the, don't, don't put the emphasis on the word church in that phrase. Put it on Christ. Amen? On Christ. On Christ. Amen. Amen. So, more than just the connection, this is God's family. This is, listen, God's government abides in the church. God's, God's order abides in the church. God's protocol for the move of the Holy Ghost and the harvest of God abides in the church. It expresses itself. Pastor Christopher, what could you do in Africa without the church? What could you do? Nothing. Alan, what could y'all do in Nicaragua without the church? Nothing. Keith, what can y'all do in Mexico without the church? Nothing. You see what I'm saying? Now, Jesus, let's, let's look here in verse, let me find it here. I've got a, I've got a new Bible. Thank you guys that's, that give me Bibles all the time. That's so nice. I love that. Let's start here in, uh, let's go down to verse 14 of Matthew chapter 16. It says, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, some say thou art John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But he said unto them, but whom say ye that I am? Now, in, in, in being a student of the Scripture for many, many years, if I were to go to the Bible, and you have to understand, I understand the Bible is progressive revelation. It begins and moves forward. Line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. Amen? But when we get into the Gospels, the Gospels are a unique collection of writings that are placed in between the Old and the New Covenant. The Gospels are not New Covenant. The Gospels are transitional in which there is a transition from an old covenant to a new covenant through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, who would complete it through redemption and, 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 and make it available to humanity. The simplicity of the new birth. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
I mean, what a, what a blessing. Amen. So in order to house this, in order to make it something that can be received, assimilated, and distributed upon a planet that has fallen but has its own economy and system or way of doing things, the wisdom of God came up with the church. So Jesus begins this, this little, I call this one of the probing personalities of Jesus. Has he ever asked you a question? Let me, this will help somebody, a little rabbit trail for a moment. How many love to hear from the Lord? And how many like to know when you hear from the Lord, it's the Lord? Whether it's the still small voice, whether he speaks to you authoritatively by the Spirit, or whether it's some vision, something greater than that. One way is this. When, when, when God speaks, especially if he's challenging you with a question, his question will not produce another question. It demands an answer. Because he knows that question is designed to get you into the Word to get the answer that he already has. Isn't that good? Now, the difference between that and the enemy is the enemy will ask you questions and every question will lead to three more. And those three more from that, three more from that, three more from that, three more from that, and now you're confused. Amen. I had somebody back in the back years ago. We used to stand back there and greet a lot. And they came by and said, you know, we came this morning to visit the church, and man, your preaching just really confused me. And I said, no, no, it didn't. And you could tell they were kind of, you know. I said, no, it didn't. I said, you were confused when you walk in here. And my preaching just turned the light on your confusion. <laughs> Amen. You just recognize I am confused. Amen. Now, this portion of Scripture on the level of importance is way up there. Because of the scripture declaring Jesus asking the question, who do you say that I am? Whom do men say? Now look at the two questions. Whom do men say? Who do you say? Whom do men say? Who do you say? The problem in Christianity, most people go to, what does the Pope say? What does Springfield say? What does Tulsa say? What does Greg Fritz say? picking on Greg, or anybody else, or any other preacher. You know, I was one of the things that really amazed me about, about Brother Hagin is that he would always say this, don't you dare believe anything because I say it. I never hear denominational preachers say that. I adopted that into my own ministry. I tell the church, don't you ever believe anything because I Believe it because the Word says it. Because quoting me ain't going to get you nothing. But quoting him going to get you everything. So whom do men say? Well, men, men have been, been, been uh, speculating, prognosticating, doing everything else they can do to try to figure out who Jesus is. Men. They have all kinds of questions. They, they, there they got it wrong four times. He wasn't Elijah. He wasn't Jeremiah. He wasn't John the Baptist. He wasn't one of the prophets. Wrong, 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 wrong. And a lot of times we go to man and we want, quote, an inter what is your interpretation of the Bible? We do not interpret the Bible. We rightly divide it. All Scripture is given by inspiration or is breathed by God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, right, so that men and women of God may, may be mature and perfectly furnished. The Word of God furnishes you. You move out the old, God moves in the new. Some of you are living on the wrong furniture right now. Amen. Get rid of that nasty old easy chair in your flesh. <laughs> Anybody ever thrown out an old chair you'd sat in for a long time, raised five kids, 20 grandkids, and eight dogs on, and it was kind of crusty, and, you know, your wife wants to get rid of it. You're like, no, no. It, it, what, what, what does it do? It fits. It's 
comfortable. So God likes to come into your life with a word, challenge you to move that old thing out so he can move something in because he don't want to live on your old junk, your old attitudes, your old ideas. He don't want to live on none of that. He want to live on his stuff. Amen. So you can, you can speculate. You can say, whom do men say that I am? And you can go get your information, but they'll be wrong, 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 wrong. But then he says, who do you say? So he brings it down to a personal level. Now, of all the questions ever asked in the universe, you got to get this. Of all the questions ever asked in, in the universe, to you personally, this sits at the top. This sits at the top. This is the number one question you must answer. Whom do you say that I am? Whom do you say? Now, that, that shows us the personal nature of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because you can talk about God all day long to anybody on a bus, airplane, sitting on the side of the street or anywhere else, and they'll engage you in conversation. But when you use the name Jesus, it becomes personal, and that, that, con that, that conversation shifts gears. You understand that? Amen? So whom do, whom do you say? Whom do you say? Now, this is a unique, very unique situation because Simon Peter was not a born-again Christian yet, but he was still given born-again information. Born-again information. Now, remember the men. Who do men say that I'm? These are not men that just they randomly walked up on the street and say, have you heard of Jesus? Who do you say he is? These are men that had eaten the bread, seen the blind eyes open, seen the dead raised, seen the cripples walk, Heard the stories of the sea being calmed. You, you know, all, all of that. And so all this super, who is he? Who is he? Well, he's got to be the reincarnation of some prophet. So, you know, Jesus didn't answer and say no. No, he didn't say that. He didn't try to challenge anything that the men said. He just, he just, he just turned it to them personally. Who do you say that I am? Who do you say? Now notice this. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Where'd that come from? Where'd that come from? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now this, this, this scripture right here. Now if I was to say that the veil between the human mind, flesh, and revelation, as it thickens because of the intellect, it thins because of the simplicity of revelation. That's very easy for this statement of truth to cross the line into you personally and become revelation in you. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now notice what he didn't say. You're the miracle worker. You're the storm calmer. You're the bread provider. You're the dead raiser. You're the blind eye opener. See, when, when blind eyes open in pastor's meetings, he don't open them. Let me try. You, you need to get this. He does, he does not open them. The same one that opened them 2,000 years ago is the one that opened them. You get that? So he's a, he opens the blind eyes. He, he heals the lame. He, he cleanses the lepers. They could have used any activity of Jesus to identify him. You're the sin forgiver. You forgive sins. Amen? But no, no, no. Here comes this, and it seems deep. It seems it seems. Uh, uh, not connected to the activity that was going on on the earth. But what it was, what qualifies it as a revelation, 
is it is spiritual and it reveals Jesus in his deity, not his humanity. Thou art the Christ, the anointed one in his anointing. I love this part too. And I, I don't know why crowds don't get excited about it, but I really do. You are the son of the living God. The living. We don't have some statue bow down to this. Thing. No, no, no. Eyes that can't see, ears that can't hear, feet that can't run towards you in crisis. No, no. We serve a living, living, existing, breathing. You say, you think he breathed? The Bible says he breathed out his word. He said he breathed into, into humanity. Life, he breathed. Every time he exhales, he exhales life. You say, what does he inhale? Faith of God's people. And breathes out life. I better be careful. I'm liable to take off. You ever felt like you were going to take off? <laughs> I was holding a meeting in El Paso, Texas. And the only time I ever preached this message, Pastor, only time I ever preached it, I still remember it. I preached on the most persecuted church in the world. And, you know, I could see when I first started the meeting that, that people were thinking, well, it's going to talk about China. Going to talk. And I talked about the church in America. And I said, the reason that it's the most persecuted church in the world is because the devil knows that physical persecution causes revival to explode. But he knows that mental persecution stops revival in its tracks. And most people don't do what they should do because they don't want to because God, the devil has come and brought persecution to your mind. Amen. And you've become apathetic and complacent. And I was preaching that message and I, you know, I was bumping along, had a few notes, doing real good. And about six or eight people on this side, there was about four or five hundred people there and about, and about six or eight people stood up. It took me a minute. You ever seen something and it, you just couldn't put the pieces together to what it was? So they stand up over it and they just start screaming. Like that. And I'm going, what in the world? And then about 50 people over just stood up. And before, in about 36, that whole crowd was screaming at the top of their lungs. The pastor fell on his face and began... The Spirit of God moved across that place in an unprecedented... I mean, it was just awesome what God did. But the point of that message was we are persecuted as Americans. They're not putting us in jail. They're not whipping our backs. They're not doing that. They're supplying a life of comfort that takes you out of the move of God. So we are the most, we are the most suppressed. Now, think, think about this. For our potential of what the church in America could do right now if it rose up, we're the most persecuted church in the world. Amen? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now notice this next phrase, Jesus speaking now. He answered and said unto him, blessed. Everybody say blessed. That's not blessed, that's blessed. Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. This is so good. For flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father that is in heaven. Now here they're standing in the Dusty roads of the Middle East 2,000 years ago. They're walking along and Jesus kind of, kind of, probably just kind of steps off to the side and stops and says, hey, who do men say that I am? 
They start answering. Well, they say, you're a, we heard the other day somebody said, you're the reincarnation of, of Elijah. Well, I heard somebody the other day say they, was, they thought he was the reincarnation of John the Baptist who'd been beheaded. Well, I heard somebody say he was, he was uh, they think he's Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Well, who do you say that I am? So he's asking, the, he's asking those that are there. And Peter just blurts it, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus cuts him off. Blessed. That word's empowered. Blessed art thy Simon Barjo. Now, this is the key. For flesh and blood hath not, now notice the word, revealed or uncovered from the source, but my Father that is in heaven. So what he's telling him this, if you know that enough to assimilate the thought of that and speak it out or express it with your words, that is a sign that you have been visited. And in that visitation, God has handled you. And when he handled you, he left a residue or an impression of himself upon you because you did not get this from man. I did not preach it to you. You did not get it from a rabbi. You got it from the Father. The Father has visited you and he has left an impression upon your heart that tells you, I am the Christ, the Son of the living God. This is the most important information of life, period. Period, without exception. Amen? I said this for years in preaching on this. You can get all the questions of life right. Marry the right woman, live in the right town. Marry the right man, have the right, what is it, 2.4 children. <laughs> have the right dog, drive the right car, go to the right grocery stores, go on the right vacations. Everything can be right in the world, and you can die and go straight to hell. You can get all those other questions. You, you can marry the wrong man, marry the wrong woman, have the wrong 2.5 kids, drive the wrong car, have the wrong job, live in the wrong city. You get that question right. You're going to be all right. You're going to be all right. So we read that and we think, well, that's great for Peter. But you have to understand. If you know, not believe. You say, what's the difference between believing and knowing? Let, let me help you with that. Believing, believing is your ability to, to project your approval into a subject in which you say, I agree with that. And in the Word of God, you're empowered to do it without sens sensual, sensual confirmation. My body hurts. I believe I received my healing. I don't have the money I need. My God supplies all of my need according to His riches and glory. So, so you, you are believing, but then remember the woman with the issue of blood came, fell down before Him, knowing what was done in her. So she experienced what she believed. When you experience... What you believe, then you know in the natural. In the natural. Let me say that again. In the natural, but not in the spirit. When God reveals it to you by the spirit, you know it. Just like you know in the natural by your senses, you know in your spirit by the Holy Ghost because the Father has visited you and left. Now listen, even more than Peter got, you got more. You say, what did you get more? You got more than just the revelation that he is the Christ, the son of the living God. You got his spirit. Amen. You got the Holy Ghost. You got the spirit of God that abides and empowers. So you not only know by revelation, you know by experience. Remember the illustration, the church always gets mad when I do it. How many believe I'm here? How many believe I'm here? I finally got you guys trained, amen? I have to go to other churches to get them on that one. 
How many believe I'm here? Oh, we believe you're here. We believe, hey, you don't believe I'm here. You know I'm here. Your senses are contacting me. Amen. You hear, you see. I spit on a few, you know. So that you get to feel. What do they call it? The holy rain? Well, I brush my teeth. Come on. I have a clean mouth. Don't you? Peter answered, said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. Flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee. I bet Jesus was excited. But my Father, which is in heaven, and I say unto thee, that thou art Peter. Peter? And upon this rock, upon this rock, I will build my, say it, church. So who builds the church? The Bible says, unless the Lord builds the house, those that labor, labor in vain. You know, have you ever done any vain labor? Where is you out? Where is you out? Thou art Peter. And upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, kind of see yourself standing there with them. And Jesus is speaking to Peter because Peter has that revelation. Now, now let me say this before I preempt get ahead of myself. This revelation of Jesus, Christ in you, Jesus, the Son of the living God, the foundation of the church, amen, it's so simple, it's so easy. This, this reality, this, uh, how can I say it? This, this spiritual uh, uh, materiality that is the foundation of the church cannot be supplanted is that the right word? No, no. Cannot be usurped by the religion of man. Now, I'm going to say a couple of things. Don't get mad at me. But, but let me say a couple of things. Because, you know, what is one of the things that, as we've taught uh, over the last few weeks, that we as a church have to do? We have to stay what? Sober. Now, anything built on any other foundation other than Jesus is not the church. Amen. Now, I'm not going to go name denominations and things, but I'm going to tell you the, uh, the majority of, of Christianity is not the church. It is a corporate business that runs, and, and instead, of, instead of saying, God, what do we do to be a glorious church? They say, we're going to do what we want to do to be a glorious church, and God, we want you to bless it. That doesn't work with anything. But Jesus is now having this encounter, and he goes, now you are Peter. You're a small rock. You're a piece of this. Now, let me say this. There's one, one major religion, probably the most major Christian religion on the earth, that claims Peter is the head of the church, the first pope. Listen, he's not. Actually, there's no historical evidence that Peter ever even went to Rome. There's not. And they got a statue there of him in Rome that they've kissed the big toe off. They've kissed the toe so many times, it's not even there. There's a lot of kisses. I'd be kind of take me a handy wipe or something before I... Amen. So Peter, hey man, he's just, a, he's just a pilgrim and stranger like we are. He's a common person. You say, how do you know he's a common person? Because the Bible says Jesus, the common people, received him gladly. So Jesus is, you're Peter. You're a small piece of this. But then he goes like this, upon this rock. What is the rock? Thou art the Christ, 
the Son of the living God. Upon this rock, I'm going to build my church, the ecclesia, the family of God, my government, my kingdom, my kingdom upon the earth. You have to understand the difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. Those two phrases are throughout the New Testament. The kingdom of God is a methodology, the way God does things. How does God do things? By faith. His word carries the power. Faith in his word produces the results. Amen? It does. And when you, when you understand that and when you realize that and you see all the different dimensions of how... Uh, 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 Pastor Christopher, I remember hearing T.L. Osborne say this. He said, I don't claim to flow in any gift of the Spirit. I heard him say this in our Bible school. And I thought to myself, man, we'd watched a couple of his films. Oh, man. He said, no. He said, here's what I claim. I preach Jesus till Jesus shows up. Amen? So that, that, that revelation is that powerful. Now, put it in perspective with what you've seen this week. Pastor Christopher showed us in, in Muslim countries, masses of people without any privilege of having the spiritual education that you have had. They've not been to Ramah. They've not sat under teaching none of that. And, and, a, and a gift from Jesus stands on the platform and proclaims Jesus the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that I'm not here to heal you. I'm not here to save you, but he is. And then what does he do? He heals and saves them. On that little bit of knowledge. Some of them are standing there, as he said the other day, some of them, it was the first time they ever heard the name of Jesus. That shows you its power. But now, against the backdrop of what you saw in that, why do you think the difficulty remains in you for receiving what you need from God when so simply blind eyes, deaf mutes, creative miracles in little babies' necks? It's because they never experienced the resistance to the greatest threat of the adversary upon the earth, and that is that revelation right there. He is the Christ, the anointed one and the anointed one of God. And as you live the life out as a threat to the adversary, your only hope for protection against deception in the earth is the thing that Jesus begins to talk about next, and that is the revelation of who he is and which he builds himself something that he coined the phrase, the church. The church. Now notice this. How's my time? Oh, I'm doing good. Anybody liking this? I, like I say, man, hey, listen, I'm serious. If we're not contending for the right way, going toward coming into the glorious church, then God, honestly, show us where it's at. Show us where, if it's not here, show us. We'll go there. I'll go there. I'll sell my house. I'll go there. Show us where the glorious church is. Or help us to find it here. Help us to find it here. I believe he's looking for people that are hungry for that. That God is stirring that up right now. 
Amen? Now notice what he says. Upon this rock, the rock of, like, like the rock of Gibraltar, this massive revelation. Now it's not massive in volume of information. It's massive in importance. The most important information on the earth is this information. Oh, I ought to get a better amen than that. Heaven and earth will pass away. The Constitution will pass away. The Magna Carta will pass away. The Bill of Rights will pass away. The law books will pass away. But my word will never pass away. So I've got to house my word in my children, and I've got to house my children in my family, in my protection, in my covering, in my church. That's why, listen, this is what God did to me in the very first part of my ministry. That's why I was so, so zealous to, to help the churches, just help the churches. Amen? Now notice, let's go a little further here. And I say unto thee, but thou art Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church. And the gates, now notice this, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now this is a great scripture, pastors, because the gates, it's not a, it's not a gate that opens and closes. You understand that? The gates are a, are, a, are a position in the city, a place in the city, usually around the main gate, and they would call it the gates because of the gates that were in the gates. But that's where the city council, that's where the businessmen, that's where everybody would come to discuss commerce, to discuss strategy, to discuss what's going on, everything. It was, it was the place of the exchange of information in which plans were made. Now, the Bible says, Jesus speaking, says, now I'm going to build my church upon the revelation of who I am and then who I am in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And when I do that, you have to understand something, Greg. The gates, the strategies, the plans, everything the devil has come up against you with, everything he has strategized to destroy your ministry, to destroy your life, to destroy your marriage, whatever it is, you can't do it. They cannot prevail against you. Why? because of the revelation of Christ and you're in the church. Amen. So those people that have that revelation of Christ who are upon that rock, who is the church, Christ in you, that, that can't prevail. It doesn't mean it can't attack. It doesn't mean it can't torment. But it can't prevail. It can't win. It can't overcome you. The gates. I like one translation. I, I can't remember. It's, I remember the. I remember the translation. It says. It says like this. And I will build my church. And the and the and the gates are the strategies, or the plans. I like this one. Are the apparent power of hell itself cannot prevail, overcome, destroy, or stop you. Well, the devil stopped it. Hey, I'm telling you, the move of God winds down to me and two old snaggletooth women. <laughs> Lord, it's that woman you gave me, you know. I'm a, listen, as long as God's telling me this is the move of God, I'm going to be there. Amen? You got to understand, church, the quality. And this, I learned that I learned this that the if you take material quality and try to add that to spirituality, you know what you come up with? You come up with the Mormons. Amen. 
And some people, all it takes is a flash of materiality and they think that's God. But Jesus said, no, I'm going to build the church not on something material. I'm going to build it on something spiritual. I, I don't need a capital. I don't need a religious capital in Rome. I don't need people with funny hats. All I need is people that recognize and realize that I am in them through faith and I'm using them to become my ecclesia, my church, and to, and to manifest the kingdom of heaven on earth through obeying the kingdom of God in the earth today. And if you'll do that, no matter what the devil comes up with, 9-11, COVID, malaria, personal attacks, financial downturns, it does not matter. The gates, the strategies, everything hell has tried to do to you, it may have hurt, it may have been uncomfortable, but it will not prevail. You say, why won't it prevail? Because he said it. Because he said it. Then he goes right to this. He says, and I will give unto you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Say what? The keys? What do the keys do? You can have the nicest, most expensive car on planet Earth, buffed and polished, filled with, what is it called? Uh, Ethanol-free gas. <laughs> But if you don't have, I guess we're kind of getting away from that. Now it's going to buttons. But you know, I didn't know something the other day. I bought a truck and, and I was doing something with it at the, at the dealership. And the guy says, you need to use the key for that. I said, y'all didn't give me a key. You know, your stupidity always comes out. <laughs> so he took the little deal that you push the button on and just pulled it out. I said, well, here's your key right here. I went, I knew that. <laughs> so Sometimes. Sometimes it just helps you to be honest and blame yourself. Years ago, I bought a four-wheeler, and I thought, oh, man, this is a nice bike. And we, we got ready to go, go hunting one day, and, and I got some hunters with me, and we, I get them on the trailer, and I thought, oh, this piece of junk, man. I don't and so, you know, we walk, had to walk to the place, walk back. And, and uh, so, man, I knew the place was closed on Monday, but Tuesday morning, man, I was sitting there when they opened. Technician walks out. What's up, buddy? Uh, this stupid bike, man. We tried to hunt Saturday. It wouldn't start. I don't know what's wrong with it. He reached over there and flipped the switch from off to on. <laughs> Pushed the button. <laughs> he said, do you think that was what's wrong with it? I said, no. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't. I was what was wrong with it. <laughs> Amen. I said, thank you. <laughs> you got to have the key. You need the key. Because as Pastor Eddie was teaching Monday morning, keys open doors. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Amen. Now it is the will of God that his children experience a little piece of heaven to go to heaven in. Hallelujah. Now, if you're not experiencing that, don't blame God. Because it works everywhere all the time. Let me try that again. It works everywhere all the time. Everywhere all the time. 
So this, this idea of revelation, okay, I'll say that, Lord. That's why you have to be careful of erroneous revelation in these last days because there can be things come upon the earth not only proclaimed and demonstrated, but they're not of God. Manifestations, miracles, signs and wonders. Oh, it's God, it's God, it's God. Not if it doesn't line up with the Word. I don't care what happens or what manifests. If it doesn't line up with the Word, it's not God. So the Word gives us the standard. I like what Jesus said in John chapter 7. He that believeth on me, as the Scriptures have said, so we have to be prepared to not only identify the doctrine of devils, erroneous doctrines. You say, well, how can we do that? We understand that everything finds its foundation in Christ. Listen, let me help you with this. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Thou art the Christ. Now everybody wants, oh, we want deep revelation. We want things that are deep. And I guess that kind of, and it, never, it means nothing. It's just a bunch of deep. That's all it is. And my, a lot of it gets goofy, amen? But the simplicity of thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, that's the deepest, most foundational revelation in the Word of God and every other revelation springs from it. Faith, gifts of the Spirit, church government, everything springs from thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, it comes out of that. Amen? So real quick, I've got four minutes. Go to Ephesians. Go to Ephesians chapter, uh, chapter 1. Now, as I said last night after the service when Pastor Christopher turned the service to me, is this is literally what's going on, especially with Pastor Christopher coming up and just every night, Jesus. This is Jesus. This is Jesus. This is Jesus. This is Jesus. So we go back to six weeks of preparation for that. Six weeks of the Word of God telling us that a revelation of Jesus will be brought to you, will be brought to you, amen, will be brought to you, and as it's brought to you and received, it releases a grace. Now, see, we studied it out, all the scriptures there in 1 Peter, in 1 Peter 1 and 4, where it says, now that grace is going to empower you in the last days. This is for the last days. Go read it. This is the grace of... For the last days, what is it? It's a greater revelation. Jesus is bigger. Jesus is real. Jesus is greater. I mean, it just and it's got to grow through revelation knowledge. That's why we sit here, line upon line, precept upon precept, hour after hour. One of the signs of the end times, they will not endure sound teaching. You've come to endure it. Sit here, even when you're tired. Listen, hear. Amen. Then we have this tremendous event the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is alive. And then the plan of God begins to unfold, Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 3, Acts chapter 4, Acts, all that God does through the book of Acts and raises up a man named the Apostle Paul and reveals to him the fullness. Somebody asked one time, why didn't he give it to Peter, James, and John? It wouldn't have carried the same weight as the enemy of the church. Now he goes in, and I like to say it like this. He goes in and begins to present not a portrait, but an x-ray. And the thing about the x-ray or the seen and the unseen or seen behind the scene is when you see it and it becomes revelation knowledge, you see yourself in it. I'm crucified with him, buried with him in baptism and the death. I'm risen with him and seated in heavenly places. 
It becomes, oh man, I don't have time for that, Lord. Please, Jesus. It is so powerful. It changes your identity. Where your, where your main focus of identity is no longer male, female, black, white, Hispanic, none of that. Oh, I'm in Christ. That's how powerful it is. And you'll forsake everything else about your identity for that revelation to grow. You know, it's how people fight for that identity, especially in the human family like that. And what does that do? That separates us all. I'm this, you're that. Let's seek into the body of Christ. We all look different. We're all different ethnic backgrounds. We're all, and we're all, but we're all one. One in Christ. One body. One body. People say, are you black? Are you white? Yeah. You Asian? You Hispanic? Yeah. You Orient? Yeah. I'm in Christ. I'm in the church. Amen. So Paul, he sees this, he sees this in Christ. New creature. Righteousness of God in Christ. Faith. And he begins by the Holy Ghost to rightly divide and put together the revelation for us today. For them back then and us today. Which includes us now. Now listen to this. This is really good. Includes us now in that work that the Son of the living God did for us. Are you with us? And makes it the reality of our life in the life that we live now. We live for Him. Not for ourselves anymore. We live for him. So the apostle Paul takes and expands that, pulls the believer into it to give us our identification in Christ and imparts revelation that revolutionizes the human family, taking them out of the curse and making them God's family. Now, just for a second, as we close, Ephesians 1, that wonderful prayer Alan talked about, and I agree, you need to pray this. I've prayed this prayer for 39 years now. Let me get there. Ephesians 1. Now we know how, how it starts and, you know, praying for the spirit of wisdom, revelation, eyes, my understanding, being enlightened. But I want you to come down to, come down to, well, let's, let me just do it, do it from, from the top because it's easier that way. It says, uh, wherefore, also, I also, after I heard of your faith and love in the Lord Jesus Christ and loved unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you my prayers. Everybody say prayers. That the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, May, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. You say, why didn't he say that he would give you a miracle that would give you knowledge? It's because you need a revelation. Because a revelation is spiritual and spiritual things do not grow old. And spiritual things are eternal and because you've been, been giving eternal life, this is part of your identity for eternity. So this prayer starts out as a prayer of petition. I love teaching and studying on prayer. It's one of my favorite, favorite subjects. It starts out a, a prayer petition. Now, if you study Paul's prayers of petition in the letters to the church, they begin with petition and end with revelation. Literally, you go study it. He answers his own prayers. He is praying for a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, that we would know, understand, or perceive, or have a concept of the expectancy of what he's calling us into. 
Then he kind of shifts gears from a petition type of prayer and goes right into a declaration of revelation. Are you with me? Showing us behind the scenes who this person Jesus is now that he has risen from the dead and is seated at the right hand of the Father and our divine eternal connection to him. (laughs) That's why I don't have to go to an African crusade to get healed. Come on, church. You say, Pastor, the only place healing is taking place in Africa. No, no. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Everywhere, all over the earth. He's just looking for somebody to believe that. He's looking for somebody to believe that. So we even have a greater blessing than those masses that Christopher talks to because he's just bringing them into the door and God's just gifting them and blessing them as they come into the door. But now we're in through the door and into the family. We're in the Father's family and he wants to tell us, this is who you are. This is what you have. This is what you can do. Get out there and do it. So it begins to change gears. Listen to it. You can hear it. Listen, you can hear it. The God of our Lord Jesus Christ, Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom, revelation, the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding, being enlightened, that you may know the hope of your calling. What is the riches of the glory? See, he's shifting gears. What is the riches of the glory of the inheritance in the saints? And, no, notice he's not asking. He's telling now. And now revelation is flowing. And what is the, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power? Toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead, set him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, every name that can be named, not only, not only, not only in this world, but that's where to come. I notice this, but all things under his feet, gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body. Now this last phrase, a lot of people go by it, but I'm telling you this is one of the most powerful phrases in the prayer. That filleth it. Let me read it so I get it right. Get all these scriptures going on in my head. It says, listen. Far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, every name in his name, not only this world, that was to come, but also, and hath put all things under his feet, and give him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body. Here's the phrase. The fullness of him that filleth it all in all. You know what he's saying? And I'm the head, you're the body. What's in the head? Whew. Redemption, healing, miracles, deliverance, joy, righteousness, peace, comfort. Everything that is divine and godly, everything that is good and righteous is in the head. And Jesus is the head. And we are the body. He is the head. We're the body. Now notice, 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 which is his body. Man, that's this is which and they put all things into the feet and gave him to the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of Christ that filleth all. He's telling us, I have it all. It's all here. But it doesn't stay here. It fills the body. It fills the body. It fills the body. Everything in the head flows down into the... You say, I'm just the the skin on the little toe of the left foot. It fills the body. The 
the fullness of him that fills it. Fills the healings in the head, healings in the body. Salvation in the head, salvation in the body. Joy in the head, joy in the body. Deliverance in the head, deliverance in the body. Miracles in the head, it's, it's there. It's all there for us. Listen, there's nothing missing. There's nothing missing in the covenant. There's nothing missing in what God has done for us in Christ. He didn't leave something out. He didn't forget something. There's not something that you see. The enemy will always try to isolate you to destroy you. But there's nothing missing. It's all there. No matter what problem you're in. You say, well, pastor, I got some really... No, no, there's nothing missing. It's all there. And the reality of it is, now that it's all there, it doesn't remain in heaven. He has deposited in you to discover through the revelation of the Word and the Spirit uncovering it for you. So would you agree with me? I'm closing. And would you agree with me that these last verses where he shifted gears and began to give revelation about Jesus, 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 when he rose from the dead, we used to have a tape series called God's Atom Bomb. When he rose from the dead, it was like this explosion in hell and it blew the sin off. It blew out the sickness and disease. It just, I mean, and it still is resonating throughout time in the universe. The resurrection power of God. The greatest demonstration of God's power, even greater than creation, because creation fell, but redemption will never fall. Amen? Amen? Will never fall. So these revelations, Jesus, oh my goodness, listen to them, listen to them. What is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us to believe according to the working of His mighty power? which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above. So, well, I got to get down here and fight with the devil. See, that's where that deliverance stuff gets messed up. That's where it gets messed up. No, no, no. You stay in your spiritual position. You're far above, far above. We've said this illustration a hundred times in this church. If you go down to a beer joint and start a fight with a drunk, you're going to smell like a drunk. He's not going to smell like a Holy Ghost believer. You don't want to fight one-on-one -on -one with the devil. He's going to smear his stuff all over you. No, he's already defeated. He's under your feet. You stand in your position of authority. You're risen with him and seated in heavenly places. He's far above all principality and power. Notice, notice the first, first two words of chapter 2. First two words of chapter 2. Notice this. First two words of chapter 2. Ephesians chapter... What are the first two words? And that is a conjunction that connects everything that's fixing to be said to what was previously said. So, so, so the Apostle Paul, by the Holy Ghost, God is breathing revelation. All Scripture is given by inspiration of the breath or breathed by God. He's breathing this revelation upon Paul. Breathing this revelation on Paul. Amen? To benefit us. To empower us. So the church might be glorious. So that there might be a glorious church upon the earth. So this revelation about Jesus, this powerful resurrection, seated at the right hand of the Father, fills the body full of himself. The first two words of chapter 2 are and you. Which connects you to everything he is. And you. So you, I like to call this the choice word. You say, what do I mean the choice word? I scratch the you out and I put me. Actually, I write Rusty. I like to know who's putting me there. You know? It's me. 
and me. And me. I sinned in trespasses. Amen. Who didn't know God. Even when I was dead and sinned. Even as the whole world is. Our very nature. That's what it says in the next few verses. But this says in God. With his great love. For where he loved us. Has risen us up with him. And made us sit together with him. In heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Don't ever, ever feel down, out, and defeated. If you are, you're looking in the wrong place. You're looking at your circumstance. You're looking at your situation instead of looking at him. But when you look at him, he amplifies and magnifies himself in you. Then he gives you a reality of yourself being in you. Last, 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 last closing. <laughs> we don't have to be in the restaurant until one, do we? Glory. They'll wait. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Lift your hands and worship God. Hallelujah. If I go that way, I'll be here another hour. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So could you imagine a group of people on the earth that, knew, that believed and knew this, and it was demonstrated in their life? And not just came together for church services hoping to, you know, for some kind of goosebumps upon them or something, but actually went out of the surf church services and lived this life. That's the identification of the pressure that comes against you. But continually living in those realities of who you are in Christ literally, literally coach you with the grace of God to where none of that matters or makes any difference because you know you've already got the answer to even the most dire situation. Some of you were in the crisis of life this time last year that you thought you'd never get out of, and you're out of it now. Some of you are in the crisis of life this year, and you're thinking, well, I ever get out of this, you will. One of my most impressive moments, I say impressive, I mean God impressing me, doing something for me. Galatians 2.20 says, I'm crucified with him. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved and gave himself for me. And needing a break, a separation, a place to die. You ever needed a place to die? There's a place to die in here. From all my rebellion, disappointment, I came back to the Lord. I was, I was to say the least, embarrassed for the years that I'd lived like that. Disappointed myself. I'd, I, I had disappointed my parents, my pastors, my educators, everybody that knew me. Disappointed myself. I felt unqualified. I felt unrighteous. And I here I was, a Bible school student, and you're around these powerful men of God. It made you feel unholy. Here you were just coming back to the Lord at age 28 with nothing. Sin will eat you up. I mean, I had a card, a few, little bit of money, but that's it. With absolutely nothing. And here's these tremendous men of God handling millions of dollars, changing the world for Jesus. Amen? And so in my frustration, I knew I need to be meditating, speaking the Word. So I got hung up on that. Galatians 2.20. I remember I was in my parents' house in their living room at the table studying some things for Bible school and I was at Galatians. So I just sat back in the chair and started meditating. And the Lord showed me a, 
what I call a mini vision of the Apostle Paul. And he was doing the same thing I was doing. He was studying, he was praying. He was agonizing over his past. He had the revelation of being a new creature. He had the revelation of righteousness. He's agonizing over his past because the devil will mess with your mind. He'll mess with your mind over your past. And I'm not just talking about the past life of sin. But there's people that have setbacks and things in their own spiritual walk. That this, this, you have to understand this works in every, every genre, every area. Whatever you've been a failure in, this is your answer. This is how you walk away from your failure and walk into the success of Jesus. So I'm, I'm sitting there, and I remember I, I pushed the chair a little back from the table. And, you know, you can kind of catch a position sometimes. You kind of sit back. And maybe it's not good for posture, but it's a little more comfortable, especially if you've been sitting a long time. And so in that moment, that flash, I saw the Apostle Paul, and he's, he's agonizing, and he's hearing the voices. You ever had the voices mess with you? What were the voices? The cries of the children, the screams of the wives, the agonizing moans of the men as they were chained and taken away. The look on Stephen's face. The Bible says, as he looked and behold, Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father, his face shone like an angel. Do you think that haunted him? And do you think the devil beat on him? Who do you think you are? You're standing next to Peter. You're standing next to James, the brother of Jesus. You're standing next to John, the revelator. Who are you? Unqualified. The Lord said something to me. This was several years later. He said, He says, I've already qualified you for everything you'll ever need in life and your destiny. He said, the devil cannot unqualify you. But what he works overtime to do is to get you to unqualify yourself. Mistakes, setbacks, all that type of stuff. Unqualify yourself. So I saw in this mini vision, here he is and he's, he's weeping. And Jesus comes and tender, tenderly speaks to him and says, look at the cross. Remember Christopher, Pastor Christopher, look at the cross. What do you see on the cross, Paul? What do you see on the cross? The cross is the place of death. Death is the force of separation. Upon the cross, acclamation was made of everything wrong with you. He was wounded for our transgression, bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. By his stripes, we are healed. He took that. He acclimated it. He brought it upon himself. The weight of every sin, the sin, the sickness, and the depravity of the world came up on him. The Bible says his vision or the way he looked upon the cross was so marred you cannot tell. He was a human being. Many thousands of people died on a cross, but no one died a death like Jesus because he was taking your death and your sin and your sickness and your depravity. And as he looks, I can see him get emotional. He sees Jesus. He goes, Jesus, you died for me so I could live. You saved me so I could live. I see you, Jesus. But he knew the cross was the place of separation. On the cross, Jesus died in that death. That's the power for the preaching of the cross unto them that perish is foolishness. But unto us, are saved. It is the power of God. What is that power? It's the power of death, not the power of life. We get the power of life through the resurrection. It's the power of death to separate. 
You've been separated from sin, separated from sickness, separated from that depression, separated from that event. A death has happened for you that will work for you. You can die. Go and look how many times he talks about being dead, how being all he talks about when it comes to death is a blessing because he's identified in the death of Christ, which supplies a death for him. I need to die. My past is so bad. I could die. My past is so bad. My, I made many, many, so many mistakes trying to serve God. I could die. Good. I could see Paul's doing the same thing. I tormented the Christians. I could die. Look at the cross. Look at the cross. What do you see? I see Jesus. He's suffering. What do you see? Look. Look, Paul. Not with your eyes. Look through your heart. What do you see? I see me. I see my old man. I see my flesh. I see my habits, my addictions. I see my sin, my pain, my suffering. I see it. <gasps> Could you imagine what that must have been like? I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved and gave himself for me. Revelation. Revelation. Lift your hands. Father, we worship you. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for us. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. We worship you, Father. We glorify your name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I want all the pastors and their wives to come. All the pastors and their wives, if you'll come. I know there's two or three, maybe four. I don't know how many are here. But all the pastors and their wives, if you'll come. Praise God. Come if you will. I want to pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Julio. Thank you. Thank you. I want all the pastors and their wives to come. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I'm going to be real honest with you. And, you know, as the Lord has laid it out to me, I'm going to lay it out to you. There's has, there has to be change. Radical change. Not in your church, but in you. I don't care how old, how long you've been, it does not matter. For everything you have and are doing right now is a result of the faith that you've had in the past. But now God's bringing greater revelation of Christ to you, so greater grace is going to come. So change begins with the pastors in the, in the church, with you, with your fire, your zeal, your desire. Listen, the Lord really showed me this almost two years ago, right after we got into the, into the kind of the, 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 the quagmire of COVID. The Lord, the Lord spoke to me and said, you're going to have to contend for this. No matter what's going on in the earth, you can't sit and wait for it to happen. Hold conferences and expect, well, maybe it'll fall. In the, no, you have to minister it out. You have to get the revelation of it into the people, and then they have to take it and do something with it. Do something with it. You just go back, and you say, we're going to change because this has given us the blessing up to this point, but we can't rely on this to take us where we need to go now because there's something else coming toward us that we can't be this way and make it through that. Do you understand that? That's where we're living right now. Amen?
So lift your hands, Father, right now. Come, come, Christopher, if you will, with me. Come just minister with me, Christopher. Where are you, buddy? We've done this before. Thank you, Jesus. Now let's take them one at a time, okay? Hallelujah. And as we, as we lay hands upon you, just open up your heart. Open up your heart and make it about you. Make it about you. Make it about you. Thank you, Father. Oh, this wonderful church in love. This wonderful church in love. This is a generational church, but you've not realized it yet. But there's a fire that needs to go through your family. Let me say this, and I, I love you, and I really don't know you that well, but I'm going to say this to you, and you'll know it's by the Holy Ghost because I don't know you that well. You have a great family, and they're a good family, but they're not an on-fire family like they need to be. And the way they're going to get on fire is mom and dad are going to get on fire. Mom and dad are going to get on fire, and it's going to blow them away, and they're going to fall right into line. And the Lord wants you to know, because there's been some frustration and you try and it's like a man trying to put together a, 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 a big puzzle and you keep thinking there's pieces missing. There's pieces. And the Lord wants you to know you have all you you have all you need. It's already there. It just hadn't been put in the right place yet. It's there. It just has been put in the right place. And let me just help you with this too. Your personal life sometimes can become very distracted to your to your ministry. And sometimes we, we fudge a little bit by, by going, well, we need to take care of this in our family and, and maybe in some of our hobbies or something. And really, it, 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 it distracts us. But there's a new focus. Ooh. A new focus. A new focus. Ted, there's others that can do what you're doing. I'm not talking about ministry. I'm talking about the natural. There's others that can do what you labor to do. And you don't have to do that anymore. You can be about spiritual things. That's not going to lessen you anymore. That's going to take any pleasure from you. That's going to help put you deeper into the place you're supposed to be. Thank you, Father. Now, sweetie, don't hang on to disappointments and regrets. It's hard to pastor. It's not easy. People can say some cruel things. So some horrible accusations can be made. But you know in your heart what is right. Father, we ask you to lift off of her the effect of negative words that have gone into her ears and wounded her soul. But Father, you said in Psalms 23, you restore our soul. And thank you for Jan today. So gently and tenderly, you begin to peel back that, that toxic, those toxic things, those toxic events that have, that have disturbed her soul. You restore her soul. Thank you, Jesus. The devil wanted you dead long time ago. And it's an amazing miracle that you're with us. But the Lord wants you to know your strongest, greatest days are right in front of you. And even though the enemy may try to deny that by trying to bring some little setback or bump, you laugh through it. Ha, ha, ha. You laugh through it. I mean, you just laugh through it. If you get the report or if something happens, symptom, no matter what it is, you just laugh through it. And the Lord says, the strength of joy will sustain you and strengthen you beyond your physical strength. And it will be supernatural. You've got an assignment to 
finish. Do you, do you understand that too? You have an assignment to finish. You will finish your course. You will finish your course. You will finish your course. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for faithfulness. Thank you, Father. New ideas, new concepts. Now, I, I gave this one. Now, I gave this one. No, I wanted to use somebody else. But they, they're not even in ministry anymore. They left their church. They're not even in ministry. And the Lord's, now listen, thank you, Lord. He said he would unlock the door to rural evangelism. How to win souls in the country. In the country. An anointing for A gifting for That man didn't take it. God's offering it to you. And that's going to be a whole new dynamic of ministry. It's like the strongest branch of the tree of your church is fixing to grow. It's fixing to strike, and it's gonna it's gonna ignite young people and youth. It's gonna ignite some of the old dead wood that's been there. So getting shaved off, they're gonna fire up. But it's gotta begin right here. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Check up, check up on everything. Everything. Take heed to yourself and the flock of God which you are called to feed. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. A new expectancy. Thank you, Lord. Now, there's been a word. I don't, I don't. There's been a word that you have received. I don't know if it was me, somebody else gave you a word. But it just seems like from that point in which that word was given, just the opposite has happened. Almost just the opposite of what that word was. And the Lord wants you to know that's how threatening that was to the adversary. So you must re... How do you say that? Help me, Lord. Like Paul did with Timothy. Stirring that back up. Bringing him to remembrance of the prophecies that were spoken so that he might war a good warfare. Do you understand that? That needs to be revived back on the inside of you. And the Lord says, I'll reverse that. Then I'll double the blessing that I told you about. But you, he's not going to, you have to reverse that. He'll, he'll show you. Thank you, Lord. He'll show you. Thank you. Many changes have happened. Oh, they haven't been easy. No, no, no. But you did them because you heard from God. And you thought to yourself, I'm whittling down the tree. I'm whittling the tree down. God says, no, I pruned it. I pruned it so that you could bear fruit. So that you could bear fruit. Thank you, Jesus, for peace. Lay hands on her, the pastor. Where's Leah? Come, sweetheart. Come, sweetheart. Now, would you put your hands right in the midriff right here? And Christopher, there you go, there you go. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, lift your hands and worship. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. Now let me do something before I close. Greg, would you would you be willing to go to a church and hold an extended meeting? Maybe do a Sunday through Wednesday, two services day, Sunday through Friday, two, would you? Hey, Danny, would you be willing to go to a church, maybe do two services a day, Sunday through Wednesday, Sunday through Friday? Cool. Good. Maybe Chris might even think about doing something like that, right? Okay. I just wanted you pastors to know that. I'd even do it. You say, what? Well, we got to get back to this. I don't care if five people come. You know, when I first started ministry and I was inspired by Brother Hagin. That's a good person to be inspired by. And so I just heard him say, you know, that there was a point in his ministry when he decided I'm going to do two services a day. Well, the pastors that would let him at the time wasn't conducting his own meetings. I was inspired by that. So I did the same thing. And I went to the pastor, many of the pastors, I went to Randy and them and said, you know, I feel like the Lord wants me to do two services a day. And we'll, we'll, do, the same, we'll do the same format as Brother Hagin. Well, I mean, you know, why not? If it's not God, God will tell you. I said, we'll teach you on prayer in the morning, and then we'll just see what the Holy Ghost wants for the night services. And then we had such wonderful times, glorious stuff. But I had several pastor friends who were like, well, you know, my, my people would not come on Monday morning. And this is what I said. I'll never forget. It had to be the Holy Ghost. I said, well, here's the deal. I said, if you'll obey God, the crowd that comes on Sunday morning within a few years will be the crowd that comes on Monday morning. And did you know that's exactly what happened? One church we went to wasn't a church but about 150 people. And I remember that first morning service, I looked over at the pastor and his wife, and they were kind of like this. But you know, thank God for trust and friendship, people that really believe that you heard from God. And three years later, on a Monday morning service, I walked over to him and I said, See? And they just laughed. We have to go forward, changed, going back and redoing some of the stuff we used to do in order to get to where we need to go. Times of revival and refreshing. You think, I think we we're waiting on a spontaneous eruption, a fire that's lit, instead of being prepared for the fire when it gets here in the dimension in which God... I believe the prophecies of Brother Hagin of a great ball of fire coming out of heaven and hitting the earth right before the church is removed to relieve the church of the pressure of the last days and to cause the supernatural heart. I believe that. David Wilkerson saw the exact same thing. That was a holy man. My dad knew David Wilkerson. I said, what about David Wilkerson? Daddy said, he was a holy man. And you know what he said? I'll never forget what my dad told me. He said, I don't say that because he ever did anything that I thought was holy or ever said anything that I thought was extremely holy. But when you were in his presence, you know you were in the presence of a holy man. I like that. Bill Dearman, I'm going to close with this. The best phrase I ever heard. Do something. least you do nothing. What if God doesn't bless you? There's something else. What if God, then there's something, just keep doing it. But when you find that one thing, hallelujah. You love the Lord? Stand on your feet. Praise the Lord. Let's, let's worship God for a moment. Father, thank you for this day. Did you get something this morning? Oh, yeah.
Isn't God good? Praise God. Father, we worship you. We thank you. Lord, thank you for Brother Allen's message that I might receive my sight. <laughs> yes. That I might receive my sight. Jesus. You're the sight giver. You're the sight giver. Oh, that I might receive my sight. Now, Father, we, we take a break for a few hours. We return this evening. Bless our afternoon. Keep us, protect us. Give us beautiful fellowship, just as much a part as what we're doing. Father, you said when we fellowship one with another, it's the blood of Jesus that is activated, and we're cleansed from all sin and unrighteousness. Thank you, Father. So we leave today the ambassadors of Christ, which you've called us to be. We are covered by the blood, empowered by the Lord, and anointed by the Lord. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com. Hallelujah, Jesus.